bring it into the sanctuary. Those that are already here, if you guys can please stand, I'll be wonderful. All right, who's ready to worship Jesus this morning? That's it, we got some. Amen, praise God. I would like to introduce my sister, Bertha. She's going to come up and testify. Let's give it up for her. I wanted to share a little bit of uh, what's been going on this past year. It's been crazy. Ups and downs, of course, is all. But one of the things that I've noticed and known is that there's consistency in God. He keeps his promises. He has promises that he, he promised us in dreams or in thoughts in prayer. And he's willing to keep them all, every single one of them. And uh, just this... Just this uh, month already this beginning of this year I've um, sometime before years before I was always uh, very zealous in praying for my family to come to the Lord because I just I you know they I know the joy of the Lord so I want that for them so uh, I they started coming then they fell off and they started not coming but one of the things that he promised me this year and I'm keeping to his promises um, is that this year will be the year that they'll come back, every single one of them, to the Lord. And already, he has opened doors for me to preach to my nephew, which about three weeks ago or a month, he gave his life to the Lord. Through I, I led him to the Lord. And I was like, yes, Lord, you kept your promises. Yeah, and It's just so awesome to know that, you know, he's consistent and he is He's loving and he wants to keep his promises. So I just want to encourage you with this, uh, with this uh, scripture here. Uh, Acts 2, 38 to 39. Peter replied, repent and, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for his forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promises is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all who whom the Lord our God will call so obviously we have to believe that's it so I'm gonna pray over this whole congregation <laughs> Heavenly Father Jesus I thank you for all that you've done and all of my brothers and sisters in this place Lord Father Jesus for keeping your promises Father Jesus I pray that this scripture encourages them to keep on praying after these desires that are of you, Lord Jesus, the desire that you want for them to, to keep on and be zealous for you, Father Jesus. I pray that you bless this sermon, the sermon that is about to be preached today and every single one and uh, every single day of their lives, Father Jesus. Keep, their, keep them closer to you, Father Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. the heart of worship here today. Come on, we just prepare our hearts. Come on, let's prepare our hearts this morning. Come on, prepare our hearts. You know how you prepare your, your house and you prepare things when people come on over. You want to present it and make it the best. Come on, let's prepare our hearts this morning for the Lord. Come on, Lord. Oh, namaste. Oh, yes, oh, Lord. Yes, oh, Lord. Come and have your way. I surrender, I surrender, I surrender oh, to you. 
You are good, you are good to me. And I'll sing because you are good, and I'll dance because you are good, and I'll shout because you are good, you are good to me. Give my hand clap of praise in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We serve a good God. We serve a mighty God. Oh. Well, sometimes we need to remind ourselves that we serve we we worship a good god and sometimes that word good can mean so many different things in today's society like sometimes if you're going out evangelizing you're telling somebody about jesus they say no i'm good and that word good has lost its meaning has lost its value when we say god is good we don't really understand what we're saying behind that like all of creation backs it up. No, God is good. Mm, God, you're so good. You're better than we think. You're better than we understand. Every time we think we got to figure it out, God, you come and you amaze us. You blow us away. God, you're so good. And tell him, God, you're so good. Oh, Lord, more than I can understand, more than I know, you're so good. Not just to me, not just to me. Oh, Lord, you are. Yes, you are. We serve a mighty God. We serve a strong God. We serve a strong God.
Awesome is our strong God, mighty is our 
lift them up in this place. Come on. Lift them up. Lift them up. Oh, we lift up the name of Jesus in this place right now. Come on, darkness cannot stay. Come on. There is no greater. The works of the works have no place in this place. Come on. Lift them up. Lift them up. There is. Sing it. There is no higher. There is no greater. There is no stronger. a strong God. Come on, we draw near to this strong God. We draw near to this strong God. Oh, oh, he's so gentle with us. He's gentle with us. Come on. He's a strong God, but he's so gentle with us. He leads us in with his kindness. Come on. He leads us to repentance with his kindness. Oh, he's a strong God, but he's gentle. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come and speak to us, speak to us. Speak to us. Bring us closer.
just leave this altar open right now for those that want to come before the Lord and just pour it out come on who want to leave the shame behind who want to receive his forgiveness his love his his peace come on is anybody in this place wanting that here today come on come on we're going to leave this altar open but I wanted Pastor Berto to come on up here because there was a word that was shared um, as 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 Pastor Deanna was, was sharing as well, and I want us to be able to, to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. So Pastor Berta, would you come in and share that word? Hallelujah. I just sensed that God was saying, don't be ashamed. Do not be ashamed for what I stand for, for what I lead you. Allow me to lead your life. Allow me to lead. God wants to lead your life. And God says, don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. I'm going to leave you. Another thing is that he's he's taking this church to a whole different level. The leadership, he's taking it to a whole different level. You might feel at times like you got the whole pressure upon you, but he says he's doing a work in the leadership because he's raising it up to a, a level of, <laughs> come on, I cannot even say this just yet. I'm not going to say it just yet. The time will come. God is taking this place to a whole different level. Remember the vision. Remember the strategy. Making disciples. Come on, amen. We respond to your word, Lord. We respond. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Lord. We come to your
all love, all joy, all peace, all patience, all kindness, all goodness, all faithfulness, all gentleness, all self-control, all of the goodness of God. worthy to receive our praise this morning King Jesus there is nothing like you there is no one like you you are more beautiful than diamonds you are more costly than gold you are more precious than silvers and nothing we desire compares to you you are good and what you do is good we have tasted and we have seen your goodness if you are in this place and you have tasted and seen the goodness of God, I want you to give him a shout out this morning. I want you to tell him who he is. The King of Kings, Lord, Master, Restorer, Redeemer, Provider, Healer, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning of the end. You are good. And we bless your name this morning. Receive all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Be exalted in this place, our Lord, our rock, and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Bless the Lord this morning. Oh, we bless your holy name, oh God. You may all be seated. At this time, we will dismiss the king's kids to go back to their classroom and to learn more about Jesus. Amen. For those that don't know me, my name is uh, Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here, and I'm going to preach the gospel to you this morning. Come on, who's excited? If you could please turn with me to your Bibles, to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 through 15. I want to preach to those in this room that are not right with God. You do not know salvation. And at one point you may have experienced it. And you've allowed sin and compromise to allow you to turn your focus away from him. You have backslidden and you are not right with God today. This message is for you this morning. Mark 1, 14 through 15. If you're there, say, I'm there. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Somebody say, good news. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. I want to tell you this morning in the words of Jesus, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Your time for salvation is today. There is no time left to play games with God. You either get right or you get left. And all you have to do is repent and believe the good news. And the content of Jesus' preaching is the good news of God. God is both its source and object. It is from God and about God. The gospel is good news. Somebody say good news. The very best news ever to come to the hearing of mankind. And I want to put this in perspective for you. I want to give you an example. There are people in our world today who have been given 
a death sentence, basically. An illness that they have that is terminal, whether it's cancer, whether it's AIDS. Some others are suffering with multiple sclerosis. There is no cure for these sicknesses and diseases. There is blindness, there is deafness, and just imagine yourself in that place for just a moment. If you knew that you would never get well again, you are leaving this earth in that kind of a death, or you would never see. It would be good news if somebody told you that there was just one injection that would take it all away. To the person that's suffering and dying of cancer today, it would be good news if the doctor said, there's a vaccination and we're gonna give it to you and you're gonna be made well and you will live. Or to the blind person who was either born blind or became blind, it would be good news for that person to hear from their doctor that there is a vaccination to fix blindness. How many of you guys are feeling that this morning? You understand what good news is. And I want to tell you that the good news of God, the gospel message of salvation is the best news. Because it contains three things. Are you ready for the three things? Number one, forgiveness. Number two, restoration. And number three, a new life in Jesus Christ. Because of the good news of the gospel that Jesus came to earth to die for the sins of the world, we have forgiveness, restoration, and a new life in Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen this morning. With all eyes closed all across this room, for those of you who have not received the forgiveness of God, you have not received his restoration and a new life in him, because of your lack of willingness to repent and believe the good news, this is your chance. Today is your day. And I'm going to pray for you right now that God would grab a hold of your heart because there is no more time to waste. The kingdom of God is near. Jesus, I pray for every single person in this place. I ask, oh God, for those that are not right with you who have either backslidden or have continuously rejected the good news of salvation. I pray that you would bring conviction, not condemnation, God, because that does not come from you, but conviction, godly sorrow that leads to repentance. I pray today they make it right. I pray that today will be their new day, their spiritual birthday, that they would be born again, made new in the spirit, the old to be gone and the new to come right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you could all please stand up to your feet with me. If you prayed that prayer, any kind of prayer in your heart, or even if you did not pray yet, you want to. You want to get right with God. You need to get discipled. You know that you need somebody in your life to help you and to teach you these things. To my right and some of your left over here, we have Cynthia and Pastor Adam. During our fellowship time, they will be there to pray with you. So if you know you have to get right with the Lord or you want discipleship, please see them during that time. Amen. At this time, we're going to do our confession of faith. We're going to recite our confession of faith. For those that would like a handout of it so that you can read it closer, please wave your hand in the air for a few seconds. Anybody? We'll wait for you. I have somebody right here in the middle. Anybody else? 
The reason why we do this week after week is because it is our Christian worldview. And how many of you guys know that our Christian worldview is daily being attacked by the world? This is what we stand upon as a church of Jesus Christ, his bride. We live this, breathe it, speak it, inhale it, everything, because it comes from his word. Amen? If you are ready to recite this with me on the count of for three, let's go. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone and Christ alone, by God's grace alone and for the glory of God alone, amen. Praise God. Enjoy your fellowship time. Give away lots of hugs and handshakes in Jesus' name. To Metro Praise. It's so good to see you all here this morning. You guys doing good? You excited for church? 
I want to take this time to welcome all of our first-time visitors. Thank you so much for being here with us. We got a whole family right over here with Rosa. Thank you for joining us this morning. Here on Metro Praise, we have two main services, Sundays at 10 a.m., Fridays at 7 p.m. That's Elevate Youth Ministry. Come on, Elevate, make some noise. Come on. This is a, a conference that I want to announce to you, the Truth Is Conference, happening March 21st through the 23rd. Let me tell you something, guys. You want to ask off for this. It's coming up. You have plenty of time to get off of work. We're going to be going deep into God's Word, training you up, equipping you on how to defend your biblical worldview. So make sure you come out March 21st through the 23rd, the Truth Is Conference. You will have an opportunity to invite family members, hear the gospel being preached, and an opportunity for them to receive Jesus Christ as well. Amen? Here at MPI, our vision is to love God and love people. We want to make God number one in our lives and let that love overflow into other people because it's the two greatest commands, right? And here we also have a discipleship strategy of connect, mentor, and send. We want to make sure you're connected to Jesus Christ. And after you're connected to Christ, we want you to connect to a life group. A life group is a place where disciples share life. All right, and we have so many groups happening throughout the month where you can get plugged in. So you can check those out on the back of your announcements or you can even see them on the website. But here's what's going on this week. So we have a busy Sunday. We have Encounter Prayer Group at 5 p.m. So if you wanna go deep into God's word, worship him, come today at 5 p.m. We have the Marriage Life Group. Come on, make some noise. Come on, for married couples. You gotta find a babysitter, but come. They're going through a series. I believe you're going through Esther. I don't know where they are. Talking about Esther and Xerxes. It's gonna be great. So come on out, join them. Sunday's also tonight at 5 p.m. Single Moms Group happening. Yes, and they prove, yes, come on, give it up for them. Childcare as well. And then Wednesdays, King's Kids. It's a great time, parents. You can come hang out with your children or you can drop them off. Uh, but it's a good time for them to just learn the commands of God, learn how to live like Jesus at such a young age. And then Friday, adult Bible study at my place. It's a great time. We have child care provided. We're finishing up the book of 1 John. Yes, going in deep into God's word. So come. If you haven't come and fellowship with us, come, okay? Because we want to hang out with you. We want to pray with you and go through God's word. And then Saturday, evangelism, powerful time at 5 p.m. Going, yes, going out throughout the city of Chicago. And even this month, we have some powerful testimonies coming forth of people who are being saved right at their doorstep. So please, at their doorstep, please, please join one of these groups. Let God just encourage you and use you throughout this month. Get connected. And then the second part of our strategy is to get mentored. We want you to learn how to live like Jesus, how to just know about his word. And you do that one-on-one -on -one with one of the leaders here at the church, meeting at a time that's convenient for you. And once you graduate that, you go into the 201 with Pastor Jared, disciples that make disciples. Why? Because God wants to equip you then to get sent out, which is the third part of our strategy. God doesn't just want the leaders to do it. He wants you to do it as well, wherever you are, for you to be sent out, impact the world around you, and make disciples. Amen? And we have a goal, somebody say goal, of 100,000 disciples here in the city of Chicago, 50 churches here, and 500 all around the world. Amen? God's going to do it. Do you believe that? God's doing it. Amen? Now it's time to prepare for our tithes and offerings. If you all could please turn with me in your Bibles to Malachi 2, 8, verse 8, 
and verse 13 and 14. We are going through this disciple giving book, the disciples giving book. You can find it on our website for free. We are on lesson seven, and this week's title of the lesson is The Tithe Must Represent Our Best. So if you're with me in Malachi 2.8, the title of today's message, this lesson, is The Tithe Must Represent Our Best. We have learned that tithing is 10% of our total income. Anytime in this church you give your tithe, that goes to the general fund. Anything that you give after your tithe becomes your offering. And here you can designate whether it goes to missions or whether it goes to the building fund. God uses what you give to meet the needs of others. And this year we are raising $20,000 for a mission trip that we are taking to the Philippines. Amen. Powerful time. People are planning. We're just going to go out there and be used mightily by God. Preach the gospel. Outreaches. Uh, relief work. And just minister with other pastors to the people there. So if you, if you believe in that and you say, God, use me in that. Circle missions in your offerings and it will go towards that. And thank you so much for your giving. So if you're with me in Malachi 2... Let's read. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he not be pleased with you? Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? And you say, what a burden. And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured lame, diseased animals, and offer them as sacrifices. Should I accept them from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an, has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Come on. Here are some main points that we can take from this passage. Number one, the government doesn't accept our leftovers. Come on, just like in the days of paying tribute to kings, we have to give our first dollars to taxes. The government doesn't let us give whatever we feel like paying whenever we feel like it, but rather they take it out of our check, the first and the best. Wow. Number two, the tithe should come from the best we have. The quality of our tithes and offerings should not be our leftovers, but rather our best. So just like we pay taxes, we should always first give our best tithe back to God. And lastly, God curses those who don't give their best. We learned that God blesses those, right, who give their best, but then he also curses those who don't give their best. God literally said, cursed is the cheat who can give their best but doesn't. Therefore, our best shouldn't go to rent, car notes, or even groceries, but our best should go first to God. Amen? God doesn't want our leftovers. He desires our best in the form of our tithes. So how do we apply this to our life? Number one, make the habit of giving to God your 10% of your gross income before you spent the other 90. Number two, repent if you have not been tithing and have been giving to God your leftovers. And lastly, give God your tithe faithfully. Amen? God wants to take care of us. We take care of his house. He's going to take care of our house. And it's in obedience. It's more than just money. It's saying, do you trust me? Do you trust me with this 10%? And if, if we don't, then there is a curse. And we don't want that. Say, I don't want to be cursed. I want to be blessed. So let's recite this over our tithe together. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, 
and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and a curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, and is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. Amen. Please stand to your feet with me this morning. Once again, our tithe is 10% of our total income given to God. Faithfully, anything we give after that is your offering. Please circle that on the envelopes where you want it to go. And if you have any prayer requests, please let us know. Write them on the envelope because we want to partner with you in prayer. Amen? And let's recite this scripture together. Acts 20, 35. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for every blessing that you pour out upon us. We thank you for able bodies in this room that are able to go forth and work, dear God, the jobs you've given us. We thank you that that paycheck, dear God, Lord, is given to us to provide for our needs, but also, dear God, to provide for your kingdom. I pray for faithfulness in this room. Father, I pray for the, the curses to be broken, Father, and for blessings to just pour out. Dear God, that bills would be paid for, dear God, and your church would be taken care of. We thank you for those, dear God, who give faithfully each and every week. Dear God, bless them to be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come up as you give. If you love Jesus, can I get a woo-woo? Amen. Welcome to the house of God this morning. I'm so glad that you're here. Look at your neighbor say, I'm glad that you're here. Amen. We're just singing this morning. The sun is out. It's not negative 30 anymore. It might get up to 30 today or something. It's awesome. It's like spring's right around the corner. It's like I can see it. It's somewhere off in the distance. Man, God is good. You know what I've been so thankful for this week is the, the contact that we have as a church on Facebook. If you haven't liked us on Facebook, please do that. And all of these uh, references that we talk about, our notes and the book, givingbook.org, all the devotions, they're all there. So just go to Metro Praise International on Facebook. Is anybody friends with Metro Praise International on Facebook? Okay, that's so awesome. Are we besties? Okay, awesome. All right, open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Matthew 5, verse 1. That's what pastors call small talk, right? We had a little small talk right there. Okay, so we're going to continue on in our series, the Beatitudes, the blessings of the attitudes of the kingdom. Last week, we had a great message on blessed are those who mourn. Did anybody receive healing from last week? Amen, two of you. The rest of you, maybe you'll need it one day. How many, how many received from that? Amen? Okay, so here's the deal. Keep that message in mind to share with others because at any time in your life, when you're friends or family go through mourning or you go through it, share that message. It was a powerful one. Amen. 
And today we're going to talk about pride, and I'm telling you, it is going to be good. We're all going to take a licking and keep on ticking today. The Lord is going to love on us. He's going to pat on our little hiney, then he's going to rub it and make it feel better, right? Okay, so it's going to be a good one. I'm telling you, anytime you're suffering with pride or you got a friend with pride, just send them this message. You'll be a good one. Okay, now we're going to read the whole passage, Matthew 5, 1 through 10. I'm encouraging you to memorize one a week, one beatitude a week. So the first one that we did was, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the, I messed it up. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of hell. I was thinking of last week. And then last week is, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Okay, so you already got two memorized. Keep them going. And I'm practicing with my daughters every week. So we're like doing like snacks and stuff so they can memorize the entire thing. So yesterday they did it with us and I gave them this big old like candy thing, the dips with the sugar thing. You know what I'm talking about? So they were like super hyper after that. I want you guys to memorize it because the Bible says I have hidden your word within my heart that I may not sin against you. So we want to keep God's word hidden in our heart. Okay, now we're going to read it and then when we get to the good part when it starts saying blessed are the poor in spirit every time you see the words blessed are shout it out with me so say blessed are okay y'all ready now when jesus saw the crowds he went up on a mountainside and sat down his disciples came to him any disciples in the house booyah and he began to teach them he said blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth blessed are all those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Look at your neighbor and say, you are too blessed to be stressed, baby. Come on, God has put some blessings on you, and it's time to receive them. It is time to get blessed in the Holy Ghost, amen? I just want to be blessed. Just look at your neighbor and go, cheers. Come on, receive the Holy Ghost joy. Receive the Holy Ghost blessings. We are the people of repentance. We preach the gospel every week in this church. So that means we should be the happiest people around, right? The gospel's not depressing. The gospel's good news. Sinners turning to saints is a good thing. We shouldn't be walking around here sin conscious all the time saying, I'm not good enough. God doesn't love me. He can't change me. He doesn't have a plan for me. No, we should be walking around going, I'm favored of God. God's on my side and I'm with him and I'm blessed coming in, blessed coming out. I'm blessed on my job. I'm blessed in my house. Amen. I'm blessed on Sunday and Monday. Amen. I'm even blessed on Wednesday, somebody. I just don't need Friday. Thank God it's Monday. Thank God it's Tuesday. Amen? We are blessed people. And it's not just some like throw it off there like a wishing well blessing. No, it is a real blessing. God is with us. As that song we sang last week, God is fighting for us. The enemy is defeated. Doesn't matter if we go through troubles, we're still blessed. It doesn't matter if jobs come and go, we're still blessed. It doesn't even matter if we got to mourn, we're still blessed. Because God comforts us, amen? 
Here are the terms for uh, the series that we're going through. Disciples, committed learners, and students of Jesus Christ. So this whole sermon series about the Beatitudes, these eight teachings of Christ, are meant for disciples. That's why we're blessed. So we're not trying to say to sinners out in the world who haven't repented yet, oh, you're blessed and you're a child of God and everything will go good with you. No, that's not true. Without Christ, they're going to perish. But when disciples come to Christ, he gives us blessings. So we should receive them. Amen. We shouldn't be like that prideful disciple like, no, I'm good. I don't need any more blessings, Jesus. You know, like as if like he's like that ethnic mom, like my or grandma, like that Italian grandma. It's like, eat, manja, manja. You're like, no, I'm going to puke if I eat anymore. And, and they're like, take it, take it. You know, like my Polish grandma, take it, Joey, take it, eat more. Okay. Sometimes we look at Jesus like, take more blessings. You're like, no, I can't take any more, Jesus. How many know God will give it to you to go through you? So just keep saying, Jesus, pour it on me, pour it on me. Because even if I can't contain it anymore, I'll bring home the leftovers and give them out to my family, to my friends. I'll bring it to school in a little lunchbox. And people will say how it smells, but mm, it's so good. You know what I'm talking about. See, like my mom would be putting like garlic spaghetti in a lunchbox. It would be stinking up the whole room. But when it came to manja, it was good. I just brought out my Italian nature. I'm sorry. Is that okay? I got to be real. See, disciples are going to be blessed and receive blessings to pour it out. Number two, Sermon on the Mount. Someone say Sermon on the Mount. This is the longest portion of Jesus' teachings found in Matthew 5 through 7. We may even continue on after March going through all of these chapters and verses. They're so powerful. Love your neighbor as yourself. Where is that found? Sermon on the Mount. Turn the other cheek. Where is that found? Sermon on the Mount. If you lust in your heart towards a woman, it's adultery of the heart. Where is that found? Sermon on the Mount. Okay, so we may get down with that. But this is the, the, uh, the first part of the Sermon on the Mount. Everybody say Beatitudes comes from the Latin word beaturo, beaturo, I'm trying to say it with my Latin flavor, I try, it's beaturo, uh, <laughs> probably sounds nothing like that, but it means blissful, happy, blessed, and these are the happy sayings of Jesus, so he's saying, I want you to be blessed, I want you to be blessed, I want you to be happy, but here's how you do it, so it's not like happy are those who watch Oprah Winfrey, you know, because then they have no stress in their life, or happy are those who just get uh, their government check, their taxes back, because, you know, they get to spend it on all these things and pay off their Christmas debt, no, he is saying blessed are those who keep my words because he says in this same passage that those who build their life on his words are like those who build their house on a rock and when the storms comes their life remains I don't want to build my house on a sand I want to build it on a rock everybody say blessed See, from the Latin word beatus, and it simply means spiritually happy, successful because of God's favor. It literally can even mean God's divine approval. So when we say I want, we're praying for God to bless you on your job, we're saying that when you go up for that promotion, that God's going to favor you. Now, it's real like that, is it not? Someone's getting that promotion. Do you want the edge? The Bible says God can give you, the, give you that edge. Now, you may say, Pastor, man, you're just preaching like one of them prosperity guys. Now, do you want me to preach like one of them poverty guys? <laughs> no, God's not going to give you the edge. God loves you so much, he's going to fire you and have you live homeless the rest of your life. No, of course I believe God wants to bless us, but we're not, we're not trying to uh, bribe God, and we're not basing our relationships on those blessings, but we're seriously coming to that uh, interview, and we're coming there with the blessing of God, believing that we will prosper, and that we will be chosen, and that when they look at our hard work that we have done, because who gave us the ability to work? 
God, who gave us the mind to think and use our phone in the middle of service and not pay attention? Like, okay. Who gave, no, I'm just kidding. Who gave us the mind to do that? I'm just going to turn around now that I look at him. I'm just kidding, Dito. Everybody go, Dito. You were looking up the Bible, weren't you? I know. You know, who, but who gave us that mind? Who gave us that mind? God. So we use our mind. We use our abilities. We work hard. Now we need an edge. We need something that that boss is going to look at and say, well, I could go with this person or I could go with that person, but there's something about this person that I'm attracted to. There's something about this person that I want to be around. There's something about this person that I think if they're in this position, they'll do better. That's called favor. And if you don't want it, it's okay. Somebody else will take it. So you better get that favor because somebody else wants it. Are you listening? So I want you to get that promotion. God wants you to be the best at what you do. Teenagers, God wants you to get that scholarship. God wants you to be the best. Why is we as Christians have thought to ourselves, the more busted and disgusted we are, the more glory we give God. Like the only one that really has a testimony is the drug addict or the guy that's in jail. Where I was messed up, I was tore up from the floor up, and God saved me. We're like, yeah, you know. But no one here wants to testify and say, I got straight A's in high school. I was on the dean list. I went to college on an academic scholarship. I was hired into a top company. I've led the company in sales and because of them I'm able to give to missions. See we need to applaud for that person just like we applaud for the other one because both of them are undeserved blessings of God and he wants you to have them. He wants you to have them. Amen. So I want to be blessed. I don't want to be cursed. Kingdom of heaven. Somebody say Basilelia. In the Greek, the kingdom of heaven refers to the active rule and reign of Jesus in one's life and upon the earth one day. And that's what we're going to be talking about as we learn about the meek inheriting the earth. The kingdom of God starts here within the believer. The first one we learn in the Beatitude is blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the last of the eight is blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we see the kingdom of heaven is like the two uh, bookends and everything else is in between or it's like a sandwich, the two and all the goodies are in between, but it's all about the kingdom. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all about the kingdom. Thank you. It's not just about this church. It's not just about your job. It's not just about your four, no more, your house. It is about the kingdom of God. In the Greek, the basilelia, the act of rule and reign of God, that he is coming to his people, ruling in their hearts, and he's also going to rule upon this earth. So that's why today we're blessed, because we're in his kingdom. We're serving the king, and we want God to use us while we're here to bring about that kingdom. So if people keep having resources and funding the kingdom of darkness, we as the church can't complain because we haven't sought God's blessing to have his resources to fund the things of God. You know how YMCA was started? YMCA. Y'all with me? Does anybody even know what it stands for? We Most of us forgot, but Young Men's Christian Association. You know how it started? Look about it. Look it up. During the time of the great industrial revolution in America, people were leaving the rural parts of the country, coming into the cities to work in Chicago at factories and do these different kinds of jobs. And when they were leaving their home, their rural upbringing, they were coming to the city, they were getting drunk, and they were uh, rebel rousing. They were causing trouble. And uh, these Christian businessmen said, you know what? We need a place that they can stay in a Christian environment. That's why they still have homes in those YMCAs. They said we need to provide activities for them. You know that basketball and volleyball, those two sports were invented in a YMCA? Y'all didn't even know that. It started by Christian gym teachers going, oh, it's cold outside. What can we have them do? We'll have them run with the ball and throw it into a basket. That's how it started. 
So y'all worshiping that. When a Christian man just gave activities to young men, he started that with a pure heart. Who knows what God can do in your life? See, we needed Christian businessmen, people that wanted to make a difference in people's lives back then to start that YMCA. Who knows what God can use you to do? That just blew your mind right there, didn't it? The kingdom of heaven's got some resources, doesn't it? The kingdom of heaven's got some blessings. Now, let's look at uh, our sermon for today. Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will what? Inherit the earth. And brother, just go up to the introduction. Jesus chose the meek to inherit the eternal kingdom, not the weak. He chose the meek, amen, not the proud or the rebellious. He desired to entrust his greatest treasures to those who were strong enough by his grace to fully submit to his will and, their, and, and for their lives. Do you know that uh, it takes a lot of inner strength and trust on, uh, in God to humble yourself before him? Humility takes a lot of strength, doesn't it? When you humble yourself, it takes a lot of dependence upon the grace of God because you can't do it on your own. The ones who say in this life, not mine, but thy will be done, talking to God, will be made great forever upon the new earth and will reign from new Jerusalem with their king. See, some of us think that we're going to be in heaven forever as naked little baby angels, and that's what we're going to do. Does anybody ever see those in, like, women's bathrooms and stuff, like in people's homes? It's like, that's a little weird. The baby's naked, but it's cute, you know. But naked little baby angels is like how we think we're going to be when we go to heaven. Look at your neighbor and say, that's gross. Like, there was maybe a generation where you could do that stuff, but in our generation with all the crazy wackos we have, it's like, take that stuff down, you know. You know, come on. But anyways... When, when people think about going to heaven, they think, like, that's it. Like, they're going to be in this place. It's, just, it's going to be surreal and just all esoteric. And, you know, it's just going to be like a Salvador Dali painting, if some of you know of that. Or it's going to be ethereal. And I'm saying a lot of big words you may not be getting right now. Like, you just think it's going to be blissful light. But, no, in heaven, there's a throne, and everybody's worshiping right now around that throne, pleading for Jesus to come back. Like, that's literally what's happening right now. And around that throne, seraphim are flying around six-winged creatures. Two, are, two of their wings cover their feet, two of their other wings cover their eyes, and the other set of wings, they're flying. They're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then the Bible says all those who have died and have given their life for Jesus Christ are under the throne, and they're crying out, when will you avenge our blood? When will you avenge our blood? And then the people around the throne, the believers... They're all crying out to God, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb that was slain. And they're waiting for him to come back. That's what's going on in heaven right now, right? And nobody has any bodies up in heaven except Jesus who was raised from the dead. He is the first fruit, the example of what it's going to be like for us to get a new body, okay? And then there's two people who actually didn't die, Elijah and Enoch. They were taken to heaven. And we believe in the end times they're going to come back and they're going to die under the reign of the Antichrist. But they're going to be these two great prophets. Now watch, we're only up there in heaven. Some may say heaven until Jesus comes back. Now, when Jesus comes back, we get the resurrection of the body, and then the eternal dwelling place of believers is upon the new earth. It's upon the earth, and Jesus comes down with New Jerusalem, and I had a picture of this I put up when I talked about the end times. New Jerusalem is 144 miles high and wide, so it's a big box, and its walls go 144 miles high. About 50 miles, you're outside of the atmosphere. You're into space, so this thing is going to shoot all the way up into space. Are you guys with me? Pretty cool, right? Like, just take the elevator, like, boom. And you'll be like up there, like 144 miles, you know. 
And that's where we'll dwell with God for all of eternity. This is not something new. This is what Christians have always believed. But sometimes uh, lazy preachers and just half, you know, I don't want to say half intelligent, but half uh, story, Christians telling half the story keep pointing to heaven, heaven, heaven. But that was not God's intention was to get us just to think about this pie in the sky like in some place over there. His intention was always that the kingdom of heaven would, would come to earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when he created Adam and Eve, he didn't put them in a cloud somewhere walking on streets of gold. He put them on earth. See, the perfect place that he made us for was earth. And even though sin has come and destroyed it, where he wants to bring us back to is where? Earth. And so when we talk about the meek, he wants them to inherit the earth and be a part of that kingdom. Amen? Y'all getting excited in the introduction. Come on. So for everybody who says, God, not my will, but your will be done, boom, they receive that kingdom. They get to enter into the new Jerusalem and be a part of this forever. The Father will be there, the Son will be there, and from their throne will flow the river of God. And on each side will be trees that will bring healing for the nations. We'll be vegetarians there. And that river, I believe, is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we will dwell forever. And the Bible says the lion will lay with the lamb and we'll play with the reptiles. We'll be loving it, you know what I'm saying? And uh, we will have all of eternity to enjoy each other and enjoy the presence of God. But for those, everybody say, but. Come on, because some people got a big old but, you know what I'm saying? They don't want to do it God's way. So for those who say, not yours, God, but my will be done, will receive exactly what they desire. And that's an eternity without God in his presence. So God is so great that he made a place where he'll not be and where you will not experience his influence. Do you know that sanity, think about this, sanity is an influence of God. Without God, you would be insane. And I'm not saying people who deal with mental illness are, are literally cursed by God, but I'm saying the brain functioning right and having sanity is a gift of God. Without God and being in his presence, you will be literally going insane for all of eternity, okay? Do you know that the ability to not have pain, to feel joy, peace, all of these things are from God. He says he gives these things even to the unrighteous. Even on this earth, unrighteous people will still feel peace. They'll be able to sleep and they'll be able to wake up in a somewhat refreshed state. But hell and eternity without God will be the absence of all those places. They'll never rest. Think about that. There's no rest for the wicked. There's never any rest. It never stops. God is never there. There is no sanity. There is no joy. There is no peace. Now put on top of that, they got a resurrected body too that won't die, but yet will be tortured by fire and worms crawling in and out of it, gnashing at the teeth. So that's not where you want to be. Amen. And you could think about hell, where the, uh, the lost are right now is like the county jail. They're waiting for judgment. So they're not going to stay in hell forever. Hell gets emptied at the judgment day, and we're going to watch everybody get judged, okay? So you're going to watch Hitler get judged. You're going to watch Buddha get judged. Everybody, we're going to watch get judged. And then they all receive their body back as well. And then if they have not accepted Christ, they didn't live for Christ, they were there, hell gets thrown into the lake of fire, that bottomless pit, that place without God. Everybody say, I don't want to go there. Okay, so therefore, let us follow the blissful path of meekness, the blissful path of meekness, amen, and receive our most extravagant inheritance. Look at your neighbor and say, most extravagant. It is so most excellent. Okay, I love you guys. Now, 
Let's talk about some of the things that we can learn today about the meek, okay? The meek. Number one, what does it mean to be meek? It means to be gentle, teachable, and humble, okay? Gentle, teachable, and humble. And I want to just start off by saying this. Men, uh, meekness is not weakness, okay? We need to look to Jesus as our example of being meek. So we're not talking about being feminized, and I don't want to put down women when I say this, because I know women are strong as well, but I just want to just speak to some of the men here. When we're talking about being meek, we're not talking about being sissified. We're not talking about losing our masculinity, but what we're doing is we're being gentle and teachable and humble. That's the kind of person that we want to be, and the greatest example we can see is Jesus. He was a man's man. He was a carpenter. He could carry that beam of the cross. He was able to take those beatings. Amen. He was a strong man, and yet he forgave his enemies. He turned the other cheek. He was so kind and loving that children came up to him. So sometimes I think about these street preachers. They go out. They tell uh, uh, the whole world about, uh, about how much God hates everybody, and the children are repelled by these kind of preachers. That wasn't Jesus. Jesus could preach repentance and the truth, but children ran to him. Children embraced him and that's the kind of person I want to be so I always check myself like at Boricua Fest do the children come to me or do they repel themselves from me amen and it's not just because we offer face painting and food it's just is our spirit even in the midst of our preaching able to attract children and they go that's what I want mommy can I go talk to that nice man you know even though he's telling somebody they're in sin but I can see he's a nice man right and uh, let me just give you a perfect example about this perfect example so Nancy and I we were at P.F. Chang's thank you guys for giving giving us that gift card, by the way, church. Let's give it up for the church, blessing their pastors. Amen. It wasn't just our, our, me and my wife. It was all the pastors they did that for and gave us this gift card. So we're at P.F. Chang's. You know, one of our thing is we always like to uh, have a good reputation when we go out. Because already in this culture, having three kids, it's like you're already like an anomaly. Like, whoa, what planet did you come from? Like, really? Like, is it 1854 now? Like, are we in the 1800s? Like, are you, did you come here on, you know, like a horse-drawn carriage or something, you know? They just think of it so weird. I can't even imagine when we have four and five and six. They're just going to be like, security? I don't know what's going on here, but there's a lot of children. So, so our whole thing is to carry a testimony everywhere we go, you know, to leave the restaurant nice, to clean up, because obviously kids make mess, and to have indoor voices, because, you, know, uh, you know, kids that obviously have my blood in them, they could be kind of loud, you know. So anyways, we sit down, and Hannah, this is the thing, she doesn't have her inside voice, so she is like way loud, like just so loud. We call this the Polish in her, you know what I'm saying? But it's really the Greek, let's just be real, or the Italian. It's like Polish, Greek, Italian, are any of those people quiet, you know? No. It's like, thank God, no Puerto Rican, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> anyways, no, just take it, just take it. it was a, I said it in love. I said it in love. Yes, the Mexican dude's clapping. Yes, I know they're loud. I know they're loud. But anyways, moving right along and into the, to the happy place now. We're going into a happy place. So she's being loud. And at this same moment, the waitress comes up, and now she wants to do her thing. You know, like here we are. You know, this is the menu. This is the drinks. And I am like having a serious talk with Hannah. And I'm like, Hannah, listen to me. Don't talk like that. But she's, she's ignoring me because already three years old, she can manipulate pretty well. She knows that this woman's trying to talk to me. So she wants to keep doing this while, you know, I'm being distracted. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like any parent here? Like you can be in your house, and you'll be talking and doing 
doing stuff and your kids will be acting crazy. You'll stop talking. They'll get quiet. I'm like, what? It gets all quiet. And then you'll start talking. And, ah, it gets all crazy again. And I'm like, y'all are too smart. So anyways, I literally had to tell the woman, I go, listen, I cannot do this right now. I said, can you please? I said, I said, ma'am, can you please come back? Because I have got to talk to this little one right here. And then, you know, I have this talk with, uh, uh, you know, Hannah. And she gets what I'm saying. She goes back to coloring. And so now I'm thinking to myself, like, dude, I just lost that testimony. There's, like, no way this waitress is going to come to me and go, like, your family's so awesome, you know. Because that's what I try to do is I want them to say, like, your family's cute and all that. So I'm, like, thinking, I lost this testimony. Well, long story short, there was a woman that I noticed at the corner of my eye eating by herself about the age of a grandma. And when she got done, she literally came to our table and she said, I love what you're doing with your kids. She said, you guys are such a great family. And then I go, I go, yeah, because we use the Bible as our guideline, you know. And then she goes, yeah, that's awesome. And what am I saying that for? I'm saying that because sometimes correction is not something that we want, but it's something that we need. And if we receive it, the world will notice the difference. You see, right now, you may be hanging with the chickens, and they're just bark, 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 and they're just doing all that you're doing, and you're all dirty in the little chicken thing, whatever, and it's all dirty there. But you know what? You start flying like an eagle. They're going to notice the difference. And even though at first they may hate on you a little bit, and they may say, you know what? She thinks she's better than us. But no, you're trying to live at a different level. And I want my family to live at a different level. So as we begin to talk today about inheriting the earth and being meek men and women come on children young people we need to make a decision i'm going to be meek i'm going to be humble my child's going to be humble she's going to be teachable she's going to learn even if it's at a kitchen table or at a restaurant table she's going to learn that amen Number two, I am choosing in this lesson to focus on the one aspect of meekness because it can be gentle, teachable, or humble, but I'm specifically focusing on humility because I believe this definition fits in Psalms 37, 11, because he said it here as well in the New American Standard, but the humble will what? Inherit the land and will what? Delight themselves in abundant, oh, hello, somebody. Is that the God you're worshiping? I worship that God, Amen. He can, you know, I love what John Wimber said. God bought me, and he can spend me on bubble gum if he likes. If God wants to take my life and just put me in the backside of a desert and just have me live in a hut, God can do that. But I know this is what he really wants to do. Even for his persecuted church, you know, we just send books to Pakistan, and they're suffering. You know what? They're still believing God to bring prosperity to their land. They want that demonic spirit of Islam to leave. They want peace to come. They're not saying keep killing us. They're saying, God, lift up the hand of persecution so these nations will be saved. And that's what we need to believe is that God wants us to inherit this earth that has been taken over by sin and taken over by the devil and even to see his kingdom come now, right here, as we're waiting for it to come one day in fullness. Number three, so to be meek in God's kingdom is these two things, to believe who God says you are and to do what he says you can do. So when we look into the pride of life and the pride of our eyes and the lust of the, of the world and all of this, and we're talking about rejecting what uh, the world is saying, we're, we're talking about rejecting pride, rejecting that, and accepting what God said. So at any time, if I don't believe what God says, I'm in pride. If God says I'm more than a conqueror and I say, no, I'm just getting pimped all the time, that's pride. 
If God says for me to love my wife as Christ loved the church, but I abuse her, that's pride. And you're going to learn about that. So the opposite of meekness and humility is pride and rebellion. Now, when we look at pride, here we go. This is what I want to talk about today in the Bible. There's two general ways. Self-adornment, and turn with me to 1 Samuel 10, 8 quickly. When like King Samuel took upon himself the work of a priest when he was only a king and therefore got the kingdom taken from him. So when you try to do things that God tells you not to do, that's pride. Everybody say pride. Okay, so the first kind is self-adornment. To do things and to act in such a way that goes beyond what God said. You're adding to what God said. And then we'll learn about self-abasement, taking away from what God said. Honey Bunny, will you do me a favor, please? And will you get my, uh, my towel in my office? Because I'm already preaching. Amen. And this is going to leave white marks on my forehead. Is there any white marks on my forehead? No, I'm okay. Thank you. You with me in uh, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 10, verse 8? If you're there, say I'm there. We'll have it up on the karaoke screen. We'll give some of you a moment here. King Samuel was the, uh, I have King Samuel. It's supposed to be King Saul. I just caught that. King Saul, rather, is the one we're going to talk about. He was the first king of Israel, and he kept, doing things that God told him not to do, thank you, and he basically got the kingdom taken from him. Are we going to have it on the karaoke screen, brother? Do I have to go old school here? Just look at your neighbor and tell him how much you love him right now. Come on, let's just buy a little time here. First Samuel chapter 10, verse 8. This is all to do with the message today of humility. This is, this is me learning to be humble. To walk in humility. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Okay, you guys there now? Go ahead of me to Gilgal. This is Samuel talking to King Saul, so let's not get this confused, even though I wrote it wrong on the notes. This is Samuel the prophet telling King Saul what to do. What to do. He says, go ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice, burn offerings, and fellowship offerings. But you must wait seven days until I come to you to tell you what you are to do. Does everybody get this? Samuel's going to do what? Tell him what to do. He's going to tell him what to do. And he's supposed to wait how many days? Seven days. Okay? Now let's go to the next passage that we see. Go now to 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 8. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 8, and let's see if Saul humbled himself to listen and wait to make sacrifices when, uh, when uh, the prophet Samuel came, okay? So here we go. He wanted, or he, he waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So it's right at that seven-day mark, Samuel told him, wait, Saul, before you make the sacrifices. All of a sudden, King Saul gets nervous now. He starts seeing it's seven days. He's not here, and my people are leaving because they don't think God's with us. Where's the prophet? Where's the man of God? And then it says here, he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Somebody go, ooh. He didn't do what he was told to do, did he? He did not. He did not do that. Just when he finished making the offering, guess who arrives? Old Sammy. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. There he is. You know what I'm saying? Like he thought he was going to play one on God. He did all that, and then Samuel arrives. Here I am. What, you, you didn't wait. You didn't listen. 
And now what happens because of this pride? Samuel arrived and says, and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done, asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering, that you did not come at the set time and the Philistines were assembling at Mizpah, I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor, so I felt compelled to, to offer the burnt offering. Now everybody look up at me, please. Everybody has a good excuse to act in pride. Everybody has a good excuse to act in pride. You're going to notice all throughout life, husbands with wives and with children, everybody's going to give you their excuse why they don't have to listen to what God is saying to do, why they don't have to change their attitude. They always got a reason. Well, you didn't come. You didn't do this. And I had to do this. I had to put myself in charge. No, that's not what God said. He said, you have done a foolish thing. Mr. T said it like this. I pitied a Foolish. See, foolish people act in pride. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would establish your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commands. Pride can keep you out of the kingdom. Pride can damn your soul to hell. This is how serious it is. Most theologians, most pastors, most leaders will tell you the pride, uh, what the sin that, that Satan had that got him kicked out of heaven was pride. And the sin that Adam and Eve committed to eat the apple on their own, or rather to take the fruit on their own, was based in pride. Pride is the root of all sin, and I believe that actually. It's when it's not about God, it's about you. And so here you see self-adornment. This king, he's not a prophet, but he's going to act like a prophet because he's got all these excuses and reasons to not have to listen to a prophet. And so when he did all of that, he expected God to bless him. But you know what we realize as we study the scripture? God resists the proud. God is not going to follow you in your pride, even if you think you're doing a good thing. Even if you have good reasons for it, God says, I resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. Now let's look at the other form of pride, self-abasement. This is when you take away from God and you do things that God has not told you to do. Go to Exodus chapter 4, Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. So we see self-adornment. Oh, I'm so awesome. I'll do what a priest's supposed to do. Even though I'm not a priest, I'll do it because I got all these reasons to to. Well, that's what self-adornment pride is like. Now, you know what the other kind of pride is like? Self-abasement. Oh, you know what? I'm not, I'm not really what God said I am. You know, it might work for everybody else, but it won't work for me. I'm, I'm not really going to be a disciple because I can't do it. You know anybody that's like that? Has pity patty parties? Disqualifies themselves? You know that Moses did that? And watch what God says to Moses. God is telling Moses, I want you to lead my people out of Israel. Everybody know who Moses is, right? Most people do. What did he receive that was real important on the mountain? The Ten Commandments, right? So this was before all that. God's speaking to Moses and says, I want you to be my leader. Now Moses says to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent. That means he doesn't talk very well. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So he goes, God, I think you got the wrong one. I don't know how to talk. I'm not eloquent. I'm slow in speech. Now look what the Lord said to him. Who gave human beings their mouths? Woo, come on. Well, I can't be a disciple, God. Who gave you the brain and the mouth to even form those words? Oh, God, I can't be a leader. Who gave you the legs you're standing on now? See, that's how God talks. I like God, amen? 
Amen. To hell with anything other than that. This is what I'm with right here. I don't want what Barney has to say. I'm just saying. Amen. We all think he's saying that stuff all the time. No, this is what he got to say. He gets a little sassy. Amen. Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, now go. Go and get. Now go. I will help you. Look, this is God talking. This is not Lee Iacocca. This is not Ziegler or whoever these leadership guys are. This is God talking. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses, he had that big old butt, didn't he? He needed that butt to go on slim fast. He just brought that butt up everywhere. Oh, you the God of the universe. You create miles. You create all this. But it's like, don't you just want to take the Bible and slap Moses upside the head? But how many of us act like this sometimes? Oh, I want you to be a leader. I want you to do this. Oh, I don't know if I can do it, God. He said, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to use you. Oh, but God. Now watch what happens here. But God, pardon your servant. Lord, please send someone else. Then the Lord got really happy with him and sent him flowers. Then, then the Lord sat down and had a two-hour meeting with him and explained to him how much he loved him. Look at the, the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? And he said, I'll use Aaron then with you. Now, some of you might say, well, you see, Moses still got his way. But you know what trouble Aaron caused? I'm going to show you right here. Go with me now to Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. Aaron caused trouble two different times for Moses because he had a place of leadership he was never supposed to have. You know the golden calf? Who was in charge of making the golden calf? Aaron. And why did they go to Aaron? Because Aaron was the one that was always doing the speaking for Moses. But he didn't have the same character as Moses. So when Moses went to the top of the mountain and finally he got to be the top dog, he just led him right into idolatry. He led them right into idolatry. Why? Because this was part of Moses' lesson he had to learn to stop doubting what God said. Just like in the time of Deborah, she was saying to Barak, you go and fight. He said, no, I ain't going unless you go with me. Now, nobody knows Barak's name, but everybody knows the woman of God's name, Deborah. Amen? Because she got the credit for the victory. And then the second trouble that Aaron got into is when Aaron, with Moses' sister, tried to rebel against Moses and say, see, God's not only speaking to you, he's speaking to us. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that still happens every now and then in church, right? Maybe not in this church, but, you know, the one down the road, you know. Come on, Marion and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife. Oh, look who he married. Look at his wife. He had married a Cushite, which is basically an African. He married an African, and he was an Israeli first, one of the first interracial marriages right there. Booyah. Boom, shakalaka. Moses was most likely looking like a Middle Easterner, dark skin, you know, what you would see today in the Middle East, like Egypt. And those, because he was raised up there, they couldn't really tell the difference by how he looked. So the Israelites probably looked like Egyptians. And here he made, married a Cushite, an African. Oh, look at him. Once he went black, he didn't go back. Oh, look at Moses. Look at Moses. He, he got him one. Woo! And you know if that Cushite would have heard about it, it would have been on. It would have been on. But, you know, good thing she didn't hear. Amen. The earrings would have came out. You know what I'm saying? All the neck, you know, the neck, you know how they do it. Anyways, take it out. And I got to take this one out. And I don't know where I went on that, but somebody followed me down that road. You know what I'm talking about? And it, okay. So 
This gringo's just offending everybody today. Lord, help me. Okay, so has the Lord only spoken through Moses, they asked? Now, why do you think they would come up with this argument that, you know, uh, you know, Moses is not the bee's knees. He's not the only one that God can talk to. Why would they get that in their mind? Because he was so codependent upon Aaron. Just like Abraham bringing Lot with him. That caused him a whole lot of trouble, right? Bringing Lot caused a lot of trouble. And the same thing is here. Because Aaron was in that relationship and wasn't supposed to be here, it caused him trouble. They said, you know what? He's, called, he's not the only one that can hear from God, but look at verse 3. Now, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. And at once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and, and Miriam, come out of the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them then went there. Then the Lord came down, and he stood at the entrance and summoned Aaron, Miriam, and the two of them, and he begins to rebuke them. And he says, this is who I've chosen. So go back to the notes, please. Two forms of pride. Both of them have consequences. One is self-adornment. God will humble you. He will take things from you and show you this is not what he's about. The other one, self-abasement. You will hurt yourself by not doing what God called you to do, by not being a leader. He'll allow other people to lead you into places you don't want to go until you learn to step up and be your own leader. He'll allow things to happen until you stop believing who he, uh, you stop believing, uh, you start believing who he said you are and stop believing who you think you are. Amen? You've got to have his image. I have a God self-image, not just a Joe self-image. I believe what he said, not just what I said. Amen. And now look at number seven. When we get into this chart, I'm going to talk to you today for the next 20 minutes, hopefully, I'll keep it in 20 minutes, about how pride manifests itself in our life. Yeah, thank you. Just have it up there, please. When we look at pride in our life, it's going to go on one, two, one of these two uh, ways on the scale. We'll either get into self-adornment, and adding things like plus, as I have here, or taking away things as negative. So if you look at zero, is the place of humility. If you start to abase yourself, you start to act in pride, and then you need to humble yourself, get rid of your pride, and come back to that place of ultimate humility. You are who God says you are, and you can do what he says he, can, he said you can do. But if you add into your life and try to take on things that God told you not to, then you'll also go into pride, and you have to repent. Now, as we look at this right here, I want you to be honest with yourself because this is not going to work if you have on a mask, okay? So this chart here, I think, is pretty descriptive of the two different ways we can have pitfalls. Let's just open up our, our scriptures to these real quick. Romans 1, 7, 12, 3, and then Romans 12, 3. Jeremiah 1, 7, rather, and Romans 12, 3, and then I want to go through this. So... Uh, let's just keep it up here, though, brother. Oh, you know, go ahead and put it up. You got the scriptures. Jeremiah 1, 7. Here's an example of Jeremiah acting in self-abasement. Here's Jeremiah doing very similar to what Moses has did. But the Lord said to me, don't say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you to. Does everybody get that? So if you're in pride, self-abasement, what do you say? I can't do what God told me to do. I can't say what he said I can say. But God told him, don't you do that. So whatever God tells you to do, are you willing to do it? Okay, let's just take an example. If, God, if, you're, if you're with a girlfriend and she's not saved right now and you guys are dating and God says, break up with that girlfriend because you two are unequally yoked, are you willing to obey? Or are you going to make an excuse and say, I'm too lonely to be without a boyfriend or girlfriend? See, there's where it gets real, doesn't it? 
Okay, how about this? The Bible says to study to show yourself approved. You're supposed to read your Bible. You're supposed to pray every day. Are you going to say, yes, I can pray every day? Yes, I can read my Bible? Or are you going to say, you know what, I don't really understand what I read. I'm not good when I talk and pray. So I'm not qualified to read my Bible and pray. See, are you going to abase yourself and make excuses? Or are you going to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do what you want me to do? If you use your age, well, I'm too old to go to discipleship. I'm too young to do all this. God says that doesn't count either. You do what he says to do. Amen? Now turn with me to Romans 12, verse 3, to see the other form of pride, self-adornment, which is, oh, yeah, I can do that, and then I can do more. I'm going to read the Bible, pray, and fast 40 days. I'm going to do all this and then some. And not only am I going to know the Bible, I'm going to know the Bible better than my pastor. I'm going to pastor my pastor. And then I'm going to teach my teacher. And then you know what? When someone tries to correct me in the church, I'm going to correct the corrector. Because I'm one bad mamma jamma. Right? Because you're just going to do it all. You're going to do it all on your way down the road of pride. And after you realize the Holy Spirit has left you, you will repent. Amen? Because we don't want to live like that. Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. How many is he speaking to right here? Everyone. Everybody say everybody. He's speaking to everybody right here. He says, so I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God distributed to each one of you. So you want to try to come and take the mic and start preaching? Don't you try it. Don't you think of yourself more highly than you ought? You haven't been ordained. You haven't been called. We didn't schedule you to preach today, right? Your three-year-old, four-year-old, six-year-old, eight-year-old want to drive your car home today? What are you trying, boy? You know, pull that key away from them because they can't drive yet. And we laugh at that, but how about us? We shouldn't be trying to tell our manager how to do the job. We shouldn't be coming against our boss and owner. Wives, we shouldn't be attacking our husbands. Husbands, we should be loving and treating our wives right, but we shouldn't be acting like know-it-alls. We shouldn't try to take on more than what God has given us. We should just be who he called us to be. And I know I need my wife, amen? So if I walked around like a know-it-all, it would not go good for me. And I know that she needs me. So if she just tried to manipulate and do woman power over me and try to get me to submit to her will, that wouldn't be a happy home either. Amen? Because women, you ain't made to wear the pants like that, right? You may wear pants every now and that's okay, but you got to let your man wear the pants. Amen? Praise God. I got my wife clapping on that. Woo! We're happy. We're happy. Okay, let's go back to the chart here now. And let's make it plain. Let's make it real plain, and hopefully everybody can get something out of this, okay? So what I want to do is really just focus on everyday life and just see the kind of person that you are, okay? So here's how you would know if you have self-adornment pride, okay? In life, in traffic, on your job, with your friends, your family, your marriage, if you notice yourself getting annoyed a lot, you're acting in pride. Why? Because you think everybody should do things your way. You think in traffic they should drive your way. The grocery store people should have the line this way. Your boss should do it this way. Your wife should do it this way. So if you find yourself being an easily annoyed person, that's actually because of pride, because God wants you to be at peace. But if you don't stop there and now you begin to get impatient with people, 
and you begin to expect them to move on your time schedule. You expect everybody to do it your way. You're increasing that level of pride. And then if you begin to get frustrated and say, why doesn't everybody understand me? Why aren't they doing it this way? This should have been done like this. You're now acting out in pride. And then if you start to treat people in a harsh way, start to talk down to them, start to ridicule them, and then before you know it, you're angry with people. You're taking on more than what God wants you to do. You're not humbling yourself like Christ. Christ did not act in such a way like this. Though he had righteous anger, the Bible says be uh, angry and sin not. So if you're at that level of anger, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. And then for a lot of people in self-adornment, if you go through all of these things, and, and this is just my best description as a pastor, okay? I'm not saying this is like the Bible, like, oh. I'm just saying this is my best understanding here. Now, a lot of people will just start to be fake now. You get past that angry stage, you're like, well, I'm I'm just going to come to the job and pretend I like y'all, but I won't talk about you behind your back. I'm not even going to talk to you guys anymore on lunch break because I don't like you, and I'm just going to be fake, put on a fake smile. But on the inside, I got all this going on, annoyance, impatience, frustration. And then what does that turn into after being fake? Bitter. You start to just become bitter towards people. These people don't understand me. These people don't love me. They don't care about me. My wife doesn't submit. I pretend to love her, but I look at BigHooters.com. I'm not really attracted to her like I used to be. You see, and you become bitter towards people. My mom didn't do this in my life. My dad didn't do this. And you act out like that. And then what does that turn to? Rebellion. Because now it's against God. You're not doing what God called you to do. And then you continue. You are idolatrous. And what does that mean? You're worshiping yourself now. You're listening to your own words. You're doing things your way instead of God's way. And what is the end result of that? Devilish. And you're going to learn about that today in closing as I read that last scripture. That if you do things in pride, you think you're with God, you're really with the devil. You are being demonic. That is demonically influenced. Because when the devil came to Adam and Eve, he didn't say start selling crack, be all crazy. He just said do things your own way. Do it your way. Now, for many of us, like we're in pride, it's not just like I'm a number three. Like really, it's like a circle. Like how many of these are you encompassing? Well, I start around number one and I encompass all the way to seven. All at once, you know? So like you may want to just draw a big circle there, one to seven. And then you have to ask yourself at that time, do I want to repent? Because humility is not something that just bumps you on the head. Humility means giving up those things. So let's say like in marriage with my wife and I, let me be, make it personal, okay? So let's say I come home and I don't see that my wife has dinner a certain way and I begin to get annoyed. And then out of that annoyance, I get impatient with her. And because I'm impatient, I start to get frustrated and treat her harsh. See, for me, my worst days, I go up to four and five and I may get angry. And at that moment, I'm going to have to check myself before I wreck myself. And this is what humility means, to humble myself. It means I have to repent. And by repenting, it means I tell her I'm sorry, and I, and I take those stuff back. And I go, I'm sorry for being harsh. I'm sorry for being impatient. I'm sorry for being annoyed. You take your time because you're awesome and you love me, right? That's what I have to do to humble myself. So a lot of times people say, Pastor, you know, help me humble myself. Pray that I lose pride. I can't do that. You can't even just pray some random prayer. Help me to become less prideful. No, you have to follow God in your daily relationship and repent when these things come up. Now let's take the other side because I don't deal with this, but many of you do. This is maybe for you, self-adornment. I mean, self-abasement. So things don't go your way. What happens instantly? You get hurt. It's all about you now. 
It's all about your feelings, overly sensitive. Somebody didn't do this the way you wanted it to be done. Now you're hurt. Your feelings got hurt. You're sensitive, right? And then what happens because nobody gets you? You turn moody. Now you start playing hard to get. Now you start making people come to you on your terms, and you're not going to be as kind as you once were because they don't deserve that kindness. You get moody, and then you start complaining. Then you start saying, nobody gets me here. My husband doesn't understand me. These kids never listen to me. My boss never does what I need him to do. And you just complain, complain, and everybody on Facebook knows. Everybody in your family knows. And then you go to being withdrawn. So instead of being fake, you just start pulling yourself away. You stop answering calls. You stop come into life groups. You stop hanging out with your husband after dinner. You just start cleaning the dishes and go back to doing something else. You withdraw from your parents because now you're hurt. Now you're moody. Now you're sensitive. And then what happens after that? You get angry. So a lot of these things are uncommon. Now you're angry. People should understand me. They should be understanding I'm hurt. People should want to care about my feelings. And then what happens? Go into depression. You go into a depression where now you are so sad, you're so hurt, you don't even know how to get yourself out of it. And I've seen people get stuck in this self-abasement. You try to tell them, no, I didn't mean it, no, I didn't mean it, but they still don't want to leave because they want to stay in their little pity patty party. Then they become bitter. See, I'm always treated this way. I'm always mistreated. People don't understand me. I should stop trying. And then they give up, and then what happens? The same thing. They become rebellious. They stop doing what God's telling them to do. They become idolatrous. They worship that thing. They worship that, that thing about them. The very thing they hate becomes their God. They make their self an idol and say, it's all about me, and if people don't bow down before me, do it my way. I'm not happy. And then devilish, demonic, because the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. And then now I'll just tell on my wife a little bit, okay? Because this is where she may go. You see? Because let's say I do come home, but she's been having a hard day, and I say something, and it's taken the wrong way. What does she do? She gets hurt. She's overly sensitive. That's her personality. And then if she doesn't let me know, and I can't read her mind, and I'm like the worst dude of ever understanding women, you know what I'm saying? So I don't understand anything, you know? It's like they're from Mars. I'm from Venus, totally two different planets, right? Have you ever heard about that? Okay? But then complaining, you know? Well, you, you know, you don't do this. And then she'll say things like sometimes, you know, well, if you were like this and I was like that, she'll put these things in perspective where she feels she's getting neglected. And I have to stop and go, hold on, why are you saying that? Well, when you're tired, I do this for you. And I go, whoa, I didn't even know you were tired. But see, the complaining comes. And my, my wife will go up to about five. That's where she'll get. She'll get angry and she'll withdraw. And then she has to decide, is it worth it? He doesn't know that I'm hurting. He doesn't know that I'm being in this way. I have to repent for taking things so sensitive. I have to repent for making this moody and about myself. I have to repent for being withdrawn and being angry. You see, both of these forms are pride. Now, of course, we always know about the self-abasement, but I want to tell you, though, uh, the self-adornment, but you self-abasement people, you are sometimes just as bad, if not worse. Why? Because you take your pride and you wrap it up in your hurt. And with your tears coming down, you don't want to hear the truth because you're so prideful. I've had people crying and weeping, and I'm trying to tell them, no, listen to me. It's your fault. You've got to repent. But I'm hurt. I'm this. I know, but it's your fault. I'm not talking about last week's message when people have hurt you. No, I'm talking about when you're overly sensitive, when you're moody, when you're complaining, and you're crying, and you're hurting. You're still prideful. You still have to repent. It doesn't mean just because you cried, you got moody, and, and, and you, just, you just feel nobody gets you, that that takes away the pride. No, it doesn't. You're still prideful. 
Just like it doesn't take away the pride from me yelling and getting upset, I'm still prideful. And so my wife and I, we had to learn this way at the beginning. Your pride manifests through tears and you trying to say, I don't understand you and I don't get you. My pride manifests through getting angry and being frustrated. But both of us aren't listening to what God is trying to tell us. Now, I'm not giving permission to beat up your wife verbally or this type of thing. I'm just saying you know the difference when you are being prideful about your feelings because people are not doing it your way, and you get hurt. Things ain't always going to go your way. you got to humble yourself. you got to go back to your marriage, your kids, and say, you know, it's not about me. It's about what God's doing here. Forgive me. Now, I want you to listen to this scripture in closing because, honestly, that's about all I can give you. Rachel, come on up to the keyboard, please. These notes are found online. You can go back and research it more. I pray that those in the life groups will will do these things. But go to number nine for me on the notes. No matter what form of pride we allow to take, uh, no matter what form pride takes in our life, the solution is always the same. So it doesn't matter if we're just at the first level of pride or all the way to demonic pride. And even if you go back to that chart to circle, yours may be some in this section and that section. Just draw a circle. Where are you at? You know? The solution is always the same. Here it is. Number one, repent. Admit when you're being prideful. Yeah, I'm being prideful, pastor. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. That's what I want to hear as a pastor. I want to hear people repent. Or, honey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have did that. Your wife, your husband wants to hear you repent. Go into your kids. You know, our kids don't expect us to be perfect. They just expect us to follow God the best we can. And so if we make a mistake, we should go back to our kids. I'm sorry. We repent before God and man. Number two, we humble ourselves. We leave those forms of pride and come right back to where God put us. We leave our self-pity, our overly sensitiveness, our harsh words, our impatience, and we humble ourselves. When the Bible talked about them humbling themselves, they had to do things. It wasn't just like, well, I'm just humbling myself. No, there was an action behind it. You're an idolatrous nation. Humble yourself. Stop worshiping idols. You're stealing. Humble yourself. Stop stealing. Same thing. You're having an attitude. You're being moody. Stop that. Humble yourself. I think some married couples are getting free right now. Come on. When my wife and I humble ourselves, we can't fight. But when we won't humble ourselves, we'll fight every day every day. I just want you to get that in your spirit right now. When you are humble with someone else being humble, you can't fight. It's impossible. The Bible says it's the glory to a man to overlook an offense. You won't get offended in that relationship. It will be impossible. But at the same time, if both of you are in pride, it will be impossible for you to get along. You won't work it out. You'll keep fig- you'll keep trying to like fix the the the, the remedies or I mean uh, the, the the external things, but you'll never fix the actual the, the problem, the real thing. It's like you're messing with the fruit and you're not cutting off the root. The root is pride. The fruit is all those things we talked about. Repent, humble yourself, and number three, obey God in humility. So for me, being a person that can be harsh, a person that can be angry, impatient. I have to stop that, catch myself when I'm doing it, and go back, and then live it out, okay? When I get in that situation again, I'm, not, I'm choosing not to act that way, and then develop patterns to say, I won't lose my temper. See, I made a decision 
almost uh, 18 years ago to stop cussing. I haven't cussed in over 18 years. I haven't said the B word, all those other words. I don't talk like that, but I'll still be harsh. But the same God that set me free from perverse, perverse words, dirty words, can set me free from being harsh. How many believe that? Some of y'all used to deal with depression, low self-esteem. Every day you hated yourself. You hated your job. Jesus set you free. But the moment something doesn't go right in your life, whoop, you go right back to that. How many know the same God that set you free from depression can set you free from taking that trail? Can stop you and say, no, don't go down there. Repent. Humble yourself. Obey God. And here's the scripture in closing. James 3, 13 through 18. I think it says it the best from that chart and what our message was today. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that come from where? That come from wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. See, that's what I tried to give you today. I tried to give you the idea of doing deeds in humility. I tried to give some wisdom to that. So if you're acting in any one of those ways, let's put up the chart, please, quickly. If you're acting in any one of these ways, none of this is wisdom. None of this is wisdom. This will not solve any of your problems. None of it will. This will not help you on your job. This will not help you with your, your children, your marriage. you got to get rid of all of this. And if I missed a few, put some sub points in there. 5.5, 5.4, 5.3. You know what I'm saying? Just put a thousandth of sub points. But humility comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts don't boast about it or deny the truth such wisdom does not come from heaven but is earthly unspiritual and what what is it demonic when you're selfish what are you acting like demonic when you're bitter what are you acting like the word is demonic. I need you to help me preach right now, okay don't be shy. I said when you act in selfish ambition, what are you acting like when you act bitter, what are you acting like? When you act in envy, what are you acting like? Come on, you have to understand pride came from hell itself, the devil, to this earth. When you act in pride, both manifestations, you're going towards the demonic, the devilish. There are people right now not in this church because they're bitter because they can't serve God without getting their feelings hurt. There are others that can't serve God because they can't listen to somebody else. They have to be like King Saul and be in charge of everything. They don't want to listen to a prophet. And they're heading towards the devil. Demonic. And it's not wisdom. Oh, I'm so smart. I'm King Saul. I'm so smart. I can do sacrifices. Look at me. I don't need a prophet here. I'm so smart. No, that's not wisdom. That's demonic. Oh, I'm so smart. I figured out what so-and-so meant. They meant to hurt me. They meant to say that to me in this sermon. He was talking about me. My wife meant to do that. You think you're so smart figuring it out in your mind. No, you're acting demonic. When you go into that self-pity or when you go into that self-adornment, it is from the devil himself. And he's saying, come on. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Nobody gets you. That's right. You're all alone. That's right. That's right. You deserve better. That's right. Your husband doesn't understand you. That's right. Start an affair with somebody else because they'll treat you better. That's right. Your college professor don't understand you. That's right. Your parents don't understand you, teenagers. I don't know one teenager that can rebel against their parents without pride. 
Look at your lives, parents, and look at those teenagers' lives, and you'll find pride all up in there. From the overly sensitive teenage girl that slams the door and puts on Miley Cyrus and say, my parents just don't understand me. To your son who kicks the wall and says, to hell with this. It's all pride in teenagers. Listen to me, teenage. Pride is demonic in origin. Don't boast about it. But we got a culture that boasts about their pride, don't they? Look at how awesome I am in pride. Look at how I managed to be in pride. You got bloggers, you got books, you got all these people writing both about their self-pity and their self-adornment, and they're making millions of dollars off their pride. Verse 16, look at this. For where you find envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. When we open the door of pride in our lives, we're opening the door to the devil to do whatever he wants to do. Why? Because now we are in a place of being deceived. We think we can do it without him and then he without God and then the devil goes, "Oh, I'm going to take you places you ain't never been before." You see, when I left my parents' house in pride, I left because I didn't think they understood me. I was frustrated with them. I was impatient with them. I was like the prodigal son who wanted my inheritance now. And see, the devil, he just lured me, you know. He said, oh, it's going to be fun out here. Man, you're not going to have a curfew. You're not going to have to give an account to how you spend your money. And the devil just said, you just need to come out here. I got a better life for you. But then the devil didn't tell me that he was going to draw me into places I never thought I would be. When I end up in jail, I never thought I would ever be in jail. He didn't tell me about that. When I was ODing on crystal meth in the back of a car and they were talking about he looks like he's about ready to die or pass out. Either way, let's drop him off in this country road so we don't get in trouble. While well, I'm hearing them talk like that about me and I can't even stand and talk or nothing, ODing on drugs, the devil never told me I would be there. And you see, that's an extreme example for some of y'all, but you need to hear it's the same thing. You know, it's the same thing in your marriage right now. You guys don't work it out. You don't get along. You don't put God first. You put this you know, wall up between yourself. And the devil says, look, see, y'all don't got to put God first. You don't got to come to church. You don't got to humble yourself. He, he's not going to tell you that he's going to destroy your marriage three months from now, six months from now that your kids are going to have to be shifted from one home to the other for the rest of their life and that they're going to be seeking some pastor at an altar call by the time they're your age saying, my mommy and daddy jacked up my life, preacher. Now help me get free from all that spirit of divorce and rejection that I got way back then. See, but the devil doesn't tell you that. He doesn't tell you that. He doesn't tell you here today looking for a church to be a part of a good church. He doesn't tell you that you leave a good church. You're going to go out there and wander on your own, not bear fruit, not change a person's life, and just go sit down on some pew and stink somewhere because you haven't been trained to be sent out. He's just going to tell you, you know better than this preacher. You know better than your life group leader. Go ahead. Go start your journey. But you have no idea your journey will be some three-year wandering in the wilderness. You'll look back on your life and say, who have I touched? Who have I impacted? What has my family seen in me? Come on, somebody. Humility, brokenness, contriteness is what Christ is looking for. Says when you, he says, look, verse 7. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, what? Pure. God, make our hearts pure. 
make my motives pure as a pastor, as a husband, and as a community, you know, a person in my neighborhood. I want to be a good neighbor. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good husband, a good pastor. Then peace-loving. Then considerate. Submissive. Man, if you're really wise on your job, you know what you're going to be? You're going to be submissive. Right? Isn't that something? Full of mercy. You know why people that are humble are, are full of mercy? Because they know who they are. They know what God did for them. I've been around so many legalist people in my life, legalistic people. They want to damn everybody to hell, kick everybody out the church, you know, do all these things in anger. You know why they do that? It's because they don't know what humility is. They're in self-adornment. They think they're more than who they really are. That's why this church doesn't operate on religious principles. We just do things by the Bible, and we're full of mercy. We want to be full of mercy here. Because I know who I am. I know who I was without Christ. I know what he's made me to be. And without him, I'm nothing. That's humility. That's why we want to treat others with humility. Amen? Full of good fruit. See, a lot of times we look at humility as somebody being quiet. I've had a lot of quiet people in the church. Couldn't make one disciple. Couldn't make one. Y'all listening to me? Oh, they're so quiet. They're so nice. No, they're just prideful not telling you what they really think. I always used to get in trouble in, in Bible college for telling the professor what I really thought. And one day I got a little smart, and Brother Anthony will tell you. He's like, oh, he got me on that. Like, touche, you know? Because one day Pastor was just rebuking me. And I wasn't even trying to be disrespectful to him. I was just telling him. I said, Pastor, you are rebuking me. But this guy right here says worse than what I do but never says anything. And Pastor said, well, Joe, I appreciate that about you. I'm telling you as God is my witness. Because, you see, quiet doesn't mean good fruit. Quiet doesn't mean you're smart in what you do. Quiet can just mean you're thinking about yourself the whole time. Sometimes I'll do marriage counseling, and one spouse will be putting it all out there. Man, I've messed up. I've done this. Other spouse will just be quiet. You think that's the one that's perfect. No, that's the one that's got the deeper issues because they can't put it on the table. They just sit there the whole time and just look at you. The other one's like, man, my marriage is so broken. I need Jesus. I, I've yelled. I've gotten mad. And the other one's just sitting here. Okay, your turn. Same thing in discipleship, accountability. Sometimes we, we, we tell our 101 leaders, don't get upset if they confess to you everything. Well, I did this. I looked at this. I cussed at this. I kicked the dog here. I yelled here. I told a lie here. It's like, okay. Well, at least they're being honest where you're at. I want you to be concerned about the person that just looks at you every week. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Let's pray for my neighbor today because I'm good. That's the one I'm concerned about. See, we got the pastoral counselors getting happy right now. They're getting free in OT. Amen? See, that's the one we're concerned about because you're the one that's not being real. So both extremes is the ones I'm concerned about. It says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit impartial and sincere peacemakers people who make peace sow in peace reap a harvest of, of righteousness harvest of righteousness do you want to reap righteousness in your life be humble be submissive sow peace amen can you stand to your feet and give the Lord a hand clap as you're closing me out today come on give the Lord a hand clap amen you know my buttons all you got to do when I get to preaching too long, just start clapping. He'll Just don't stop. Just keep clapping. He'll stop. He'll stop preaching if you keep clapping. Altar workers, would you come, please?
Woo, put up that chart, good sir. Thank you. I want us to look at this, please, one more time before we go. If you find yourself anywhere on here, would you let us pray for you today? And if you don't find yourself anywhere on here, will you uh, pray for me? Because <laughs> you're, you're perfect and you're just so awesome. So I expect that unless you have to go somewhere and meet with the mayor and make plans for NASA to land the satellite on the moon, I'm expecting a lot of y'all to come up for prayer today. Amen? Because this is what we're praying for. We're praying, God, help me to not do these things. We're being specific. If I wasn't holding this mic, I would be coming up to this man right here because I look up to him so much in many ways. Amen? I look up to him. Y'all get it. Boom, boom. That's okay. Um, I would be repenting for about one through five. I don't do six. I've done six a few different times in my life, and I hated it. My wife watched me go through it one time. It broke me down to tears, and I said, I can't be fake anymore. I just I can't do it. But I was, I was because I was all that other stuff. And only one time in my life, I'm not trying to say like I'm Mr. Perfect here. I mean, I've been demonic. I've sold, did drugs. Okay, I'm just telling you as a Christian, last 18 years, there's only one time I let bitterness take over my heart, and that was after Bible college. There was about a two-year time that Brother Anthony and I were not in relationship. We don't ever talk about it anymore. But I got so hurt that I turned against him. And it was the most miserable, I cannot even put to you in words, the miserable time I had in life and ministry and everything. It's just everything was terrible. It was because I had bitterness. So I'm saying if you are that far on that scale or even past that demonic, we will set you free in Jesus' name. Or the Holy Spirit will set you free. So come get prayer. Amen. So it's going to be real simple. I'm going to pray one prayer of dismissal. If you got to go, go. Tell the mayor I said hi. For the rest of you, I want you to come and receive prayer. The band is going to worship their guts out. And then at some point, I'm going to say all y'all sit down and get prayer too. So get a prayer song going, uh, Andrew, at some point. Because I know a lot of us need prayer today for this. Father, you said blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth god we want to be meek today without pride we want to be gentle submissive and teachable from the youngest to the oldest help us to do that today remove all pride from our life lord so that you can bless us in this world restore marriages restore families bless people on their jobs and all that they do as they're humble give them abundant prosperity in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can you bless them today? Amen. Slap your neighbor a high five and say, be humble. You are dismissed. Come forward if you need prayer. And if you have to wait, just wait a little bit. Somebody will get to you. Thank you, band. Come on, let's worship as we're praying today. God bless those who have to go. But if you need prayer, come on up. Let's just pray for you today. Humble your people, Jesus. Yes, God. Oh, yes, God. today God can we just sing that again come on as we're worshiping those who are waiting for prayer just worship
We're just here to agree with you, not be better than you, but agree with you in prayer. We're here to lift up your needs. I surrender. Oh, we agree today that we all need Jesus. consider his equality with God something to be grasped but humbled himself taking on the form of a servant and made himself obedient even obedient unto death therefore God has exalted him to the highest place and given him a name that's above every name and at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father may we be humble like Jesus today. Make us meek like your servant, oh God. Come on, I rebuke the spirit of the devil and his pride. Deception. Rebellion, go. Pity patty parties, go in Jesus' name. Frustration, anger, harshness, impatience. Go in Jesus' name. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. We humble ourselves. We humble ourselves. Like a Jesus, breathe Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. In me. Oh, yes, God. Oh, yes, God. Like a mighty storm. Jesus. Stir with Jesus. My soul. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. point can we just have Rachel and Adam remain thank you singers and and Rudy you guys are awesome Woo! I just feel a sweet spirit of uh, brokenness up here band just stay up a few more moments but Andrew could you get the uh, worship song ready but if you can hear me those who are worshiping I want you to know there's just a, a sense of brokenness up here almost like when the woman she uh broke her alabaster jar over Jesus, his feet, and anointed him. It's like there's a brokenness. But yet I just feel there's more. Come on, just sing that one part. I surrender, please. Oh, I surrender. Just stay up here, Adam. But keep praying. Hold a little for who's next. Well, let me just pray for you, brother. 
Woo, Jesus. Come on, I just feel it all over you, that brokenness. You just believe in who God says you are. Not abasing yourself in a negative way, but humbling yourself to believe the great things God has promised you. Condemnation, guilt, low self-worth be broken off this man right now. Be broken off this man. Woo, Jesus. Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. Oh, God, these tears that he's crying, this heart that he has, God. It's so precious, Lord. Let, let, let not the devil take it from him with his lies. Let not the devil steal it from him. You are who God said you are. You are. You are. You are. And even though you don't think people get you, and even though you feel neglected, even though the past has not been pretty, it's been hurtful, God says that's not who you are. You're not how people treat you. You're not what people have said about you. You're not the past. You're a conqueror. You're a child of God. You're a mighty warrior. You're a Gideon. And you may know you come from the least of the tribes of Israel, but God says you're a mighty warrior. He says, have I not made the mouth? Have I not made this body? Will I not be with you and train you and teach you, says the Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh, precious Father. Come on, brother. Just sing it out with me. I surrender. Before I surrender. Amen. Take as long as you need, brother. I just felt that all over you. Just a sweetness of brokenness in this place. Like that perfume from the woman's jar. What you're doing right now before God is so pleasing to him. This is humility. It's not condemnation. This is it. Just relying upon the Lord. Amen. Amen. More, Lord. I want to know. I stay up here but put it down just a little bit I want to pray for Carmen just keep praying those of you who are up here Nancy would you just pause your prayer for me woman of God and I just want her to come right here just lay your hands on her shoulders right now I just have a word for her the Lord wants me to tell you you're the ones that the pastors talk about but not in the way you think. 
you're the one that they talk about and say, she refreshes my soul. There are pastors here that literally say it. The Lord says, Carmen refreshes my soul. Her words encourage me. And yet I hear the Lord saying, you don't receive it always the same way. You'll give it out. You'll encourage. You'll pour it out. But when you'll go through your time, you'll put up a bigger guard. You'll close off the mouth of that wineskin, making it hard for people to encourage because you think you don't deserve it. Because you will be your own worst enemy. Beat yourself up and say, no, I don't deserve to be encouraged. No, I deserve the pain. I deserve this. And I just hear the Lord say, no, you don't. You need to be encouraged the same way you encourage others because your heart has refreshed so many others. Steve, would you just come behind her? Because I know you've tried to get through sometimes. And trust me, he has not said one thing to me if this is a downtime word. And I know you may feel, I try to encourage her, but it's hard for her to hear it from me. Just come around her and put your hands on your wife's shoulder because she's going to start receiving it more. She's going to start believing it more. She's going to start believing that she is who God said she is. That she's worthy in God's eyes of encouragement, of strength. And that when someone says about her, you're good, you're awesome, she won't doubt and say, no, 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 I'm not really that good. No, you're going to say, okay, I receive it. I receive it. Even though I don't believe it always, I receive it. You don't want to be that person but you have become that person. You didn't ask for leadership, but it was given to you. And that's why people receive from you. You didn't ask. You didn't want to be that, that one that tries to take it. You didn't want to look that, that role. But you've become that. You've become that encourager. And I just want to finish this word before I pray. And God just says, now just let us encourage you. Let your husband encourage you. Let the church encourage you. Don't push it back and say, no, I'm not that person. No, no, I, no, I don't believe it. Believe it. Because you are that person that the pastors talk about. But not in the way you think. You're the ones that they say, Carmen refreshes my soul. Now, Lord, we thank you for that word. We thank you, God, that you gave her such a gift of encouragement. That's in the Bible. Romans 14, uh, rather Romans 12 talks about the gift of encouragement. Oh, Lord, and then encourage her now with that same gift. And uh, give uh, Steve the words to say and how to do it. Maybe there's things that she can teach him to help her. But, God, I just know it's her letting down the guard. So, Lord, we just pray that even as they learn it in the marriage and we learn to speak her love language as her pastors and friends, I just pray she receives it and knows she's so loved, so cared about so valued, so treasured. This may not be from the Lord, but just from my heart, I just, I just see three things. I, I see a mother to the church. I know others have already started to call you that, but I see a mother here. Number two, we've already said it, an encourager. And third, I see a preacher. I see that when you're going to get the microphone, whenever that time comes, and I, like I said, I know you're not the one to try to Take it on your own. But there's going to come a time, just like you didn't ask to be the kind of leader you are now, you're not going to ask for it, but they're going to say, you're ready. And I don't want you at that time to doubt and say, oh, I don't know if I'm ready yet. I don't know if I'm ready to share that word at youth group. I want you to believe it. Because God told me, you're a mother, 
you're an encourager, and you're a preacher in this house. Amen. I know you're many things on your job. You're many things in your home, but I just wanted to affirm some of that here today. Amen. Nancy, would you just continue to bless her? Because I know I got some more words for others. Amen. Today's a unique service. Band, just sing that song again. I just feel so much encouragement here today. I feel just the Lord here in brokenness. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we love you, God. Oh, we love you, God. She loves you, God. She loves you. Let's keep praying, but Andrew, would you put on that worship time, uh, that worship song? Let's just keep praying, but I have some words for the worship leaders. Can you get you and Ricky too? Because I got a word as well. Ooh, I feel it heavy on my heart for you, brother. Thank you. 